Straw Hut Media. Conversion therapy is completely legal in 29 out of 50 states in the U.S. Even though the broader national medical community has disavowed it, it's not only legal, but it's sought after, encouraged, and believed in. Our guests today are from one of those states, Oklahoma. But this is a story about unconditional love. It's a story where acceptance is only step one, and each step that follows is a reminder that every single person in the LGBTQ community deserves to be loved and celebrated. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Well, my name is Sarah Cunningham, and I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. Sarah lives in Oklahoma City now with her husband. She belonged to a conservative evangelical church for 20 years. If you had met Sarah on the street 10 years ago, you might never have guessed that she would end up where she is now. I have been uh, carrying the title of stand-in mom, and uh, it's one that I carry with great honor. Sarah says it all started when she first got involved in the LGBTQ community. As she met more and more couples, she kept hearing stories about parents who wouldn't acknowledge their relationships and would refuse to come to their child's wedding. And so out of frustration one evening, I made a social media post that said, if your biological mom won't come to your same-sex wedding, then you call me, I'll be there. I'll be your biggest fan. A lot of people took her up on the offer. When I asked her how many weddings she's been a part of so far, she said she had honestly lost count. At least maybe 10 or 15 I've officiated many and I've stood in for for many. And it's bittersweet, I'm, I'm happy to, to do those things, but I'm always hopeful the parents will, will show up, uh, but if they don't, I'm happy to, to step in. But how did a once conservative Christian Oklahoman like Sarah end up so involved in the LGBTQ plus community? Hi, I'm Parker Cunningham. That's Parker, Sarah's son. He's the spark that set them both on a long journey. As we call it from um, the Church to the Pride Parade, when you grow up any place like Oklahoma, um, where there aren't any resources or, or conversation about um, what happens when your kids come out, you know, um, it can be really difficult. Parker was just as involved in the church as his mom, and he was internalizing the same harmful language that people young and old hear in non-affirming churches everywhere. You know, looking back, there were a lot of really great messages and there were a lot of things that I did learn and people that I did love. But I also realize now how many messages were really only specifically, not to me, like they were calling me out, but when they referenced, you know, the homosexuals and, and all of this, and it was like, well, that's me, you know? And um, I remember that even in elementary school, like, oh, they're talking about me. So our church very much was about um, the fear of God and not necessarily that, you know, we should be scared of him, but just that you know, we should fear him. And um, I always felt just, I, sh I should be a little extra fearful. His mom was afraid too. We both thought there was a problem. It wasn't just, you know, that she struggled with me. It's that I was also struggling with myself. And in fact, I say all the time, we both thought we were going to be struck down by lightning. Um, and it's just this ripple effect of knowing that I was different and knowing that it was bad. 
It was especially hard because everybody they knew was connected to the church in some way. A lot of people, their church family is, you know, like blood and, and they raise them and they raise each other and they raise each other's kids. And um, again, when that dynamic is disrupted, um, I mean, it can be catastrophic, it can be deadly, it can be tragic. But as Parker got older, he started to question the church. Throughout middle school and high school, and I was kind of meeting people who were learning about themselves, that's when I also started realizing like, oh, you know, these people that I spent my whole life with, I don't want to say they didn't care about me, but they weren't, they didn't have my best interest in mind. And, um, you know, the, the verses and the things that they had kind of shared with me over 20 years of my life were not for me, they were for them. And um, it was kind of empowering in a way just to say, you know, I've spent all of my time and energy in this one thing, but my time will be more celebrated and I will be more celebrated and I can celebrate myself more so elsewhere. It didn't happen overnight for Sarah either. When Parker came out to his mom, she didn't want to accept it. I did not take the news very well. Parker tried to have that conversation with me many times, but I thought it was a a phase in the beginning. I manipulated the conversation and I didn't allow him the space or even uh, offer the vocabulary for him to express what he was feeling. And so it was a difficult time. It was a, a, a time where he had to check himself at the door and especially raising our children in, in an evangelical conservative church. Uh, I spent a lot of time praying the gay away and I thought it was okay with people being gay until it was our son. And so when he turned 21, he said, mom, I met someone and I need you to be okay about it. And I believe that it was the day that he faced his biggest fear. Even though he was had searched himself, he had searched our faith, he had searched, um, uh, you know, everything about him. And that day he faced his biggest fear, and that was me. So I did some things, and I acted in ways that I regret, even today. And. In doing those things, I missed an entire adolescence of his life, of helping him discover who he is and the history of uh, the gay community and the importance of of their history and and our future. So it was a journey, for sure, that took us from the church to the Pride Parade. Uh, But we're fortunate. We were able to have conversations. We have a healthy relationship. Our family is together. Um, they, They say when a child comes out of their closet, a parent goes into theirs. And that's exactly what happened. It was a process. It didn't happen overnight. Um, But I'm glad that we're on this side of our story. After Parker came out and Sarah started her journey toward acceptance, love, and celebration, she says the church was no longer the safe place she had always thought of it as. Raising your children in in a conservative church, we all absorbed this idea that homosexuality is wrong. Um, and I, I believe now that scripture has been misinterpreted, misused, misused and misunderstood with the very best of intentions. So when Parker was coming out and as I tried to share with my peers within, you know, the church, they did not know how to minister to me. They did not have the resources that they needed. Um, you know, I needed Number one, I I was looking for faith-based resources, 
And I need to hear from someone who shared my faith that it's all right to share this, to search this matter out. Because when you do, that's where you get educated and you realize, again, the scripture that's been misunderstood and misused and misquoted. And the you learn about the history of human sexuality, science and testimonies, and to be able to to view those things in light of what your child is going through gives you a better understanding in, in an effort to uh, just understand them and who they are. They were feeling alienated and uncomfortable, so they stopped going. When I do go now, unless it's speaking or sharing our story with a non-affirming church who are trying to have the conversation, uh, but when I do go, I give I, um, our tithe and our time and our, our energy into a fully affirming church. In 2014, Sarah and her husband went with Parker to the Pride Parade in Norman, Oklahoma. It was my first interaction with this beautiful community and I just fell in love and I started, um, you know, again, hearing from the community. The following year, Sarah made a button that said, free mom hugs and pinned it to her sundress. With anyone who made eye contact with me, I would say, could I offer you a free mom hug or a high five? Sarah knows she's not the first mom to offer free hugs at a pride festival, but her experience that day inspired her to found a national nonprofit. She called it Free Mom Hugs. And it's just about being a loving presence in the lives of those who've been alienated and separated from their families, from their church homes, and from many parts of society. It started with just a few moms, a few dads, some friends, and some allies. Now, Free Mom Hugs has chapters in every state. They provide education to parents, churches, and hospitals, and they show up consistently for anyone in need of information and support. You just move people from a position of fear and ignorance because we know the power of that and the devastation that comes from it to a position of education and love where that leads to empowerment. And so that's part of the dynamic of Free Mom Hugs is just, you know, wanting to share with this beautiful community that we love them and for families to know that there's resources out there now, that it doesn't have to be a devastating, difficult time. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, mom hugs in the COVID era and where Jamie Lee Curtis fits into all of this. Welcome back. Before the break, we met Parker Cunningham and his mom, Sarah. We learned the origin story of the national nonprofit Free Mom Hugs and the journey they have had on their road from church pews to pride parades. The mission of Free Mom Hugs is to empower the world to celebrate the LGBTQIA community through visibility, through education, and through conversation. That is at the forefront of everything Free Mom Hugs does, Sarah says. And it's not only about accepting this beautiful community, but celebrating uh, this community as, again, an important part of our history and our future, and it ultimately will make the world a safer place for everyone. When I asked Parker what it felt like seeing his mom go from Pray the Gay Away to founding a national advocacy organization, he told me that his answer has changed over time. Of course, it started as proud because who who couldn't be? 
um, and, you know, thankful and all the, all the good words. And, um, but really it's liberated. I mean, it, we, there's a huge phase of our life that, I mean, after, even, even after all the work we've done, I mean, we're just, um, able to see each other and when we see each other and able to be ourselves other families are able to see each other and be themselves and i mean really it's just the most liberating thing i mean knowing that our story is as simple as it may be um it resonates and it's and it's so familiar to so many other people that i mean it just liberates us it liberates us to um people like me to tell our histories and our stories um people of faith to have conversations with their with their places of worship. And how about now? In this era of face masks and hand sanitizer, rubber gloves and social distancing, where does free mom hug stand? Learning how to not hug at Pride was, was tough, but I mean, through that, we've learned how to, how to stay connected. And not only that, but with our national chapters, um, it's been incredible to see a lot of them um, either start themselves or to be a part of virtual Prides. Parker thinks that for many of us within the LGBTQ plus community, isolation is nothing new. Still, having so many limitations on who you can see, whether it's your friends, your family, or your community, it's really hard. Also, I mean, from the mental health aspect, many, many people in, in my community, they struggle with their mental health and um, it has been a very difficult time and we're hearing a lot of um, just people reaching out and needing to be connected. But in that forced distance, Parker says it's comforting to see all the ways people within the community are adapting and creating new means of connection. I've seen um, more drag shows, you know, online in a week than I usually do in a month. So it's just, it's, it's been incredible to see us flourish. As for free mom hugs, Sarah says they've been fortunate. So when the pandemic hit, it could have been a devastating time in the life of free mom hugs, even though we have a vibrant, beautiful, growing uh, social media platform. But we were able to just really magnify all of our efforts in that area and um, I would have to say, strangely, what could have been devastating in the life of Free Mom Hugs has been really one of our biggest blessing because uh, we've had uh, companies reach out to us. One of those companies was Barefoot Wine. They sponsored the first ever Free Mom Hugs virtual tour. And we made history and we reached thousands of people. It was very successful in the way that we reached mothers in their homes with their children. Uh, we had young people reaching out and said, I followed you on social media. And I was able to say, hey, mom, come look at this, listen to this, you know, and it was uh, profound, the response that we that we received from that. Sarah says that seeing major companies make large public statements in support of the LGBTQ plus community is a huge deal. She remembers the first time she saw a pride float that was sponsored by a major corporation. I wept because I knew that when a company can show up and be, you know, at the forefront of telling, uh, sending a message to the world, to families like mine, that they are inclusive and working hard to to make their uh, places a safe place to work, to send a message to the world. It it just moved me so much. So when they when they can support a nonprofit like Free Mom Hugs in this way, it's it does send a message to the community and to families like ours that, you know, together we're changing the world to make it better for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Sarah and Parker are both grateful they had already established a strong social media presence before COVID-19 hit. Our chapters in every state use their social media platform to encourage, to offer resources, and to, you know, again, in a different way, be visible. It's about turning our attention to the virtual aspects and really being able to make our words count on social media, whereas a Pride Festival was about bringing people together. What we're doing now is about keeping people together. Mm -hmm. And when we get the all clear and when we're able to hug again and offer high fives, it's going to mean even more. What's more, Sarah wants us to remember that even though COVID-19 is at the forefront of everyone's minds, the issues we were fighting before are still just as real. We've seen over the last few weeks how much power we can wield when we work together. We're all still fighting for all Black lives. It hasn't gone away. And Sarah fights for other forms of oppression as well. You know, for example, conversion therapy is still legal, sought out, and paid for just blocks away from where we live. That didn't change because of the pandemic. Has there been any part of you that, you know, as you've grown, that has thought to yourself like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to move. I want to be somewhere where it's more progressive, but you don't. What's kept you from, you know, moving somewhere more progressive? Moving has has crossed my mind, uh, but more times than not, I think I love living in the heartland. I love I love that, honestly, this movement started in Oklahoma in a very conservative state and that that such love can be birthed out of, you know, a very conservative area is very rewarding to me, not only as a, a person of faith, but as a mom. We have an India chronologist, a doctor at OU who came from a very forward thinking state and she came here to treat our transgender community and she, you know, we're had a conversation one day and she goes, I know how to treat my patients, but I don't have a clue how to help these parents. And so they offer free mom hugs um, resources there at the doctor's office, you see? So it's my generation that's here and I, I love living here. Parker, on the other hand, is from a different generation. I hated living here my whole life. Um, I think until, you know, again, I started seeing people like me here. Um, <laughs> driving and living. But I mean, further than that, um, I see little ki- little me's everywhere all the time. You know, we've, we've been lucky in Free Mom Hugs to um, be connected in a special way to the young LGBTQA plus community. And it's like, I see myself every day. We get messages from little me's every day um, and they live here and they don't live. I mean, not saying they don't live elsewhere, but there's, there's just more care to be taken here. There's more people... Um, here and places like this that just need to hear, you know, I see you and I love you and I want you here. We need you here. Um, So yeah, there was definitely a long time in my life where I wanted to be anywhere but here. And I even thought too, you know, maybe when I, when I, when I was younger, you know, when I do come out, maybe I'll just go somewhere or we'll get, we'll move somewhere. But it's like, no, I I couldn't, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else now. Um, There are things that are, common conversation here in Oklahoma that when we do go to LA or New York or elsewhere and we are talking to these people that are doing so much great work on these in these very progressive places but when we do when we do talk about conversion therapy and the commonality of it here it's shocking to them it's not just that it doesn't exist it's that it's like Mm -hmm. that thorough you know 
Yeah, and the idea of conversion therapy, yes, it is still legal, sought out, unpaid for here. But I, I am convinced that until we hear a different message from the pulpit and from our current administration, will we see a difference in the world around us. But especially in communities like this. Mm-hmm. Especially. Was there either ever a time when either of you considered conversion therapy as an option? I think we both did. I mean, it's that concept of we both thought we were going to be struck down by lightning. So, I mean, there was 20 years of me going to the pastor and not saying pray for me because I'm gay, but just, you know, going up to the pulpit during prayer time or whatever. Um, And... You know, so I thought about it, especially knowing the option was there. You know, if someone puts something on a platter in front of you that says you've been struggling your whole life, there's something that can fix it. I mean, why would you not? How would you not consider it? But I mean, especially for for my mom, it's like I I could never guilt her for thinking about it or looking into it because I mm-hmm. I wanted to be different just as much as she did. You know. Yes, I I would like to add to that. I did consider. Um, at the time, I didn't know it was necessarily called conversion therapy, but I was looking for counseling services. And it was important to me that they were faith-based. And I think the only thing that saved me um, not going in that direction is because when we were having the conversations, it was being discovered of the great harm that's coming from that practice. So when Parker was he wasn't even quite old enough to go to or through conversion therapy. Um, But, you know, I have to mention that there are parts in Oklahoma that um, now it's been about two summers ago, but there's an organization that will actually parents can pay this organization to come and take their child out of their own home and take them to a conversion therapy camp or reparative therapy. They're renaming it, repackaging it, but it's the same. But whether it's an organization like that or, you know, someone like Parker going down front for prayer to be released of this burden, to be, um, you know, to pray that gay away, that's every bit of conversion therapy. And it's harmful. It's dangerous. It's deadly. And uh, we can actually we can outlaw conversion therapy today, but it will not make a difference until we change what we're hearing from the pulpit. It will not change. So. That's my two cents. I asked Parker what he would say if he could give a bit of advice to a young person who's struggling with coming out or is feeling isolated. Right now, he says, with COVID-19 changing every part of our lives, his first advice is to just hang in there. It used to be patience, and and patience hasn't always served us. And it used to be live authentically, and not everyone can. So the answer really does change. But more than anything, it's just whether it's one person or a group of people, just find people who love you and celebrate you. Um, The weird thing about this pandemic is a lot of people um, are online and there there are tons of groups out there, but just find a place where you can be yourself, um, whether it's a confidant, a friend, a family member, or or an online group. Um, There's no reason to feel alone. And I know there's many reasons and many times that we will, um, but just find people who love you and celebrate you because we are out there. And um, it makes all the difference in the world. With stay-at-home orders across the country, we've been hearing a lot of stories about young LGBTQ people who are now kind of trapped in a house with family members that don't accept them. 
So I asked Sarah what she would tell the parents in those homes who are struggling with accepting their child. I would say to that parent that there are so many resources out now to not have a better understanding, to help your child, to help you understand better. And also that it's, 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 I know that you love your child. We all do, but learn if you could learn how to celebrate your child, you will either celebrate your child or you are going to suffer with them through self-harm, self-doubt, anxiety, at-risk behavior, or worse, death by suicide or hate crime. So celebrate your child, help them through the process. There's enough resources out there and know this dear parent that you are not alone and that uh, they're Your child is needing you to not only accept them, love them, but celebrate them. This is a beautiful dynamic in your family that is so important to the world. And when we can help our children be healthy and happy and live productive lives, they not only um, thrive as an individual, but help humanity when they are able to pour themselves in and serve the world to their fullest capacity, whatever that is, it's our duty as a parent to equip them to, to, to live and be an important part of humanity. And if you need any resources, you can go to the Free Mom Hugs website. We have a support group there, whatever you need. Back in 2014, Sarah wrote a book about her experience. The book is titled How We Sleep at Night, A Mother's Memoir. It's a self-published book. It's just, I just shared how I got through this journey. I'm not a scholar or a theologian. It's just how I got through it. And when the social media post went viral about me being a stand-in mom, that's when Jamie Lee Curtis sent me a private message asking to talk about that post. She was intrigued by it and we, had several conversations and through that she found out about the book she read it she loved it and now she's making a movie for lifetime television on our story there's also a documentary that's set to come out this year it's called the mama bear doc and that's by director Jerisha kai and she follows moms like me and families like ours all over the world and just showcasing what we're doing to make a difference where we're at she has followed us on two physical tours and um, that will be in the independent film circuit and so I'm really excited about both of those projects because I know that there's a mom out there like me then who needs a mom like me now. Go to the website freemomhugs.com and look around. You can find out about your state chapter. You can buy some free mom hug swag, maybe a tote, a tea, a sticker, maybe even a fanny pack. And you can find uh, information about becoming a reoccurring monthly donor. We depend on donations to continue the work of Free Mom Hugs. And of course, the website is a great place for resources. We have resources on our website that um, that can just point you in any direction, whatever questions you might have, or if you want to make a connection or ask, you know, uh, share your story there. We'd love to hear from you.
Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Pride. You can follow me, at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Please stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, and keep listening to podcasts. We'll let, we'll let your pup sorry get acclimated he's fine no problem <laughs> God. so